This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Tekoa under the auspices of the Steinsalt Center. The Steinsalt Center is responsible for all the activities of Rabbi Adin Ebeni Israel Steinsaltz. Its goal is to promote the Rabbi's mission of Let My People Know, making a world of Jewish knowledge accessible to all. The center's activities include publishing the Rabbi's writings and teachings, establishing educational programs and centers, and much more. For more information, please Google the Steinsalt Center or enter the link in the podcast description. The Thirteen-Petaled Rose, a discourse on the essence of Jewish existence and belief. Written by Rabbi Evan Yisrael Steinsaltz. Chapter 5, Torah. The scriptures beginning with the Bible and including many works of exegesis and commentary, such as the Talmud, the Kabbalah, and other writings, occupy such a central and special place in Judaism that the Hebrew name for this sacred literature, Torah, cannot be adequately translated into any other language. As someone once aptly summed it up, other religions have a concept of Scripture as deriving from heaven, but only Judaism seems to be based on the idea that the Torah Scripture is itself heaven. In other words, the Torah of the Jews is the essence of divine revelation. It is not only a basis for social, political, and religious life, but is in itself something of supreme value. This perception of the nature of Torah is derived from the fact that the Torah in all its different forms is a collection of concentrated emanations and transmutations of divine wisdom. Thus, the Torah as apprehended by us is only a particular aspect of that divine essence, just as the world is a particular mode of divine revelation. The Torah is, if anything, an even clearer and more perfect manifestation than the world. As the sages have said, before creation, God looked into the Torah and made the world accordingly, by which it is implied that the Torah is the original pattern or inner plan of the world. Torah and world are inseparably a pair. Since the Torah expresses the inner will, the direction and mode of operation of the relations between the world and God, it is the spiritual map of the universe. It is not, however, a static chart of things as they are, but a dynamic plan of the ever-changing world, charting the necessary course for moving toward a union with God. This means that in its primary essence, Torah is the manifestation 
of the divine wisdom. But, like the created world, it has to be expressed through limited forms, like words and even the physical substance that carries the words in order to bring the revelation down to the world of action. Intellectual and emotional immersion in Torah is therefore a way of making contact with the essence of all the worlds on various levels. For the Torah expresses the divine will and wisdom itself in all the worlds, whereas in the world of action, the divine will express itself only in terms of the immediately surrounding reality. And the limitations of this reality in our world, which are experienced through the reign of nature, are extreme. They can be overcome only through man's freedom of choice. The relation between Torah and the world is thus the relation between idea and actualization, between vision and fulfillment. So that the intellectual study of Torah and the emotional involvement in its contents are a form of identification with the divine will, with what may be called God's dream of the existence of the world and the existence of man. One who is immersed in Torah becomes a partner of God in the sense that man on one hand and God on the other are participating in the planning, the spinning out of the idea, the common dream of the existence of the world. One of the means of contact between Torah and the world, then, is this emotional and intellectual contact involved in its study. But there is also another side to the Torah, that of being the law of compelling men to behave in certain ways. For the Torah is to a large extent a plan of human action and relationship, providing guidance for what is the proper way to behave, think, dream, and desire, in order that the Torah's design for the world be realized. In this respect, the Torah is a way of life, showing both how to relate inwardly and how to conduct oneself outwardly and practically. And that perhaps is why the word Torah is of the same root as the word horah, instruction, or teaching, providing as it does a guide to the path of God. Theoretically, the perfect man can reach this identification with Torah from within himself. When a man purifies himself of all the illusions and distortions of his self-centered desires, when he opens up to the divine plenty, he can be like an instrument in the hands of the supreme will. And so the way he does anything will be Torah. Except that this way of reaching Torah, which derives from the power to achieve human perfection, is extremely rare, requiring a magnitude of contact with the divine far beyond the level possible for ordinary man. Only the rarest individuals like the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, can be said to have achieved it. And even they reach the level of Torah as a way of life only with respect to their own lives and each on his own level. So it must appear to us that God's gift to the world in the divine revelation of Torah 
is a gift in which he bestows not only a guide to the proper life of man, and not only a plan for the very existence of the world, but also himself. Or, to put it another way, he gives what we might call his dream of the superior man who could participate with him on all levels, whether on the level of actual human life or on the level of worlds only vaguely perceived or altogether beyond the senses. There are many aspects to the Torah, and one can connect oneself with it in a variety of ways. In terms of abstract speculation and rational logic, of emotional involvement, and, of course, of conduct. Most of the law of the Torah, however, deals with fairly practical matters, what to do and what not to do in the realm of action. Indeed, the extent to which the Torah, which has so great a significance beyond the physical world, is involved with material reality might seem surprising. It can, however, be explained in a number of ways, from above and from within. On one level, the Torah, after all, relates to people living in this world and has to deal with the reality of their lives, with all the immediacy of their need. A Torah that deals only or mainly with matters of higher spirituality would be cut off from contact with human existence, with its dependence on the physical world. The act of tying in with God's will by means of physical action provides a simpler, more natural, and of course more essentially direct contact for man as he is. From within its own terms, moreover, the Torah is not really suited to an abstract contemplation of higher worlds, explicit as it is about a whole variety of relations in the human world. The behavior of a man as a particular physical action, or obversely as the renunciation of a particular action, has a significance far beyond his subjective present existence, indeed beyond his own life. This is true not only for the many commandments that are concerned with the relations between and among people, but also for those commandments that a man is to do by himself. When one is engaged with objects in the physical world, one sets off a chain of relations involving all the things and people who have in one way or another taken part in this action, through time as well as in space. In this respect, physical action is more profound than mental or even spiritual action, in that it is implicated in tikkun, the correcting of the world, a process involved not only with the world's spiritual aspects, but with the actual physical realm. That is to say, the restoration by sacred action of things to their ideal place in the world. A holy action that is entirely spiritual works only indirectly on the physical structure of the world, while a physical action works on it directly. Although, to be sure, the physical substructure of the world is a part of the world as a whole and not a separate realm, and all its levels of development are a part of the general system of tikkun, 
and evolution of the worlds of their purification and preparation for God. Another more inward aspect is connected with the view that the material world is not inferior, that matter in itself is not lower or worse, and that in a sense the physical world may even be considered the height of creation. It is the marvel of creation for the paradoxical reason that the very existence of matter is a condition that seems to obscure the divine and thus could only be the result of a special intention on the part of the infinite. Matter is a sort of standing wave between the manifestation of God and the hiddenness of God. It is defined by its limitations. To retain its separate and independent existence, infinite force has to be exerted on every particle. Hence, every human action that disposes matter in the direction of wholeness has a qualitative significance far beyond anything like it in the world of spirituality. What is more, since the world of matter constitutes the focal point of all the other worlds, every movement, every slight budge of things in the rigid realm of matter has an effect beyond any similar motion in the realm of the spirit and even in realms above the spirit. And thus the mitzvah, the law of the Torah which deals so much with matter, with the effort to exert influence on the physical world, to change it, to divert it toward holiness, even though matter itself seems to be so limited and restricted, it is intended to release vast forces in all the worlds and to create waves of movement rising from our world to higher worlds without end. Which is why it may be said that a genuine holy action of any kind performed in the domain of matter, the raw material of substance, has far greater possible meaning than anything performed only in the intermediate domain of thought or emotion. For the Torah and the mitzvot concerned with the physical world relate to this world as though it were the secret of creation, the essence of the fulfillment of the divine idea. Besides its concern with the physical world, the Torah has another, perhaps disconcerting characteristic, that it does not restrict itself to one area of life, such as religion or ethics, but spreads out and covers almost all areas of existence. By definition, the way of the Torah is not religious in the strict sense of addressing only that part of a person's life concerned only with relations between the human and the divine. The Torah is not a narrow domain of holiness. A man may enter or leave as he chooses, while the domain of ordinary existence remains neutral territory where God does not interfere much, and where in any case, there's not much point in trying to relate to him. Since the Torah is the blueprint of the world, it regulates the whole and cannot be confined to any particular part. True, its directives are not all on the same level of practicality. Nevertheless, its instructions and guidelines and modes of relating are valid for all situations in life. The more one becomes identified with the Torah, 
the more does its significance expand beyond particular circumstance. Rather than constituting itself an ideal for the monastic life, say, or a guide of any other sort of separation from the reality of the world, Torah works in precisely the opposite fashion, introducing more content and meaning into the trivial details of the life of the world. One finds the Torah significant in every aspect of community, commerce, agriculture, and industry, in the life of feeling and love, in relations between the sexes, down to the most minute aspects of living, like buttoning one's shoes or lying down to sleep. What is surprising is that with the great quantity and range of its laws, what to do and what not to do, Torah still does not limit the activities of an individual in any field of endeavor. That is to say, there is no field of action or thought which, in principle, the Torah repudiates. The law in general and in detail, theoretically and practically, mostly adds detail to action, qualifies modes of behavior, imposes new modes, directs the conduct of one's daily business from waking to sleeping. The supposition being that if all these actions are properly defined and prepared, then the guidance of the law need not and does not change their essence, but adds a quality to them. A pragmatic examination of the way of life that results from obedience to the Torah shows that in the long run, besides offering considerable freedom in almost every area of endeavor, such obedience lends to every act the quality of ritual and makes it seem a direct link between man and his maker. This is true irrespective of the nature of the action, whether it be ceremonial or spontaneous, related to God or to people, internal or external. For the process of an ever deeper identification with Torah seems to have the effect of intensifying the manner in which one carries out instructions, otherwise quite vague and general, even to the point that the way one walks or stands, the gestures of one's hands or face, the tones of one's speech, and so on, are visibly modified. A unified pattern of life, in which act is integrated with thought and speech, music, so to speak, integrated with the maker of music, is thus eventually created. The result is something like a dance drama of cosmic dimensions in which man moves on all levels of existence in an unbroken stylization of action. It is not to be wondered at, therefore, that external forms of artistic expression were, if not absolutely prohibited, at least severely restricted. Mere aesthetic forms can only be partial and inadequate as compared with the great artistic creation of the whole way of life of a Jew living according to the Torah. This dance of life in Judaism is so intrinsic to individual growth that, from one point of view, it may be considered a solo performance. From another point of view, the life and actions of the individual Jew form a segment of the greater entity of the nation or the people as a whole. 
the sacramental characteristic of this entity is manifested by the transmission of something from one individual Jew to another, no matter how scattered the people may be. This intangible essence enters into all the deeds of the Jew and integrates with that of other individuals, making up the dance pattern for the movements of the soul of the world in its development and approach to the divine. It is thus that the sacramental body of Knesset Yisrael, the Assembly of Israel, the whole of the Jewish people, is conceived to be at its root the same as the Shekhinah. In other words, Knesset Yisrael is identical with the inner content, the essential holiness of the world as a whole. The Jewish definition of the election of Israel as a nation of priests and a holy people makes the Jews a people whose way of life constitutes the priesthood of the world, one whose intricate stylation of life from the most personal act of the individual to the compounded actions of its communities, its great centers of Jewish learning, its land, its holy temple, all constitute aspects of this function. I do not mean to imply that holiness is in any way restricted to one people or that the approach to the divine is not equally available to all of mankind. It is only that the Jews undertake a greater burden with the acceptance of the Torah as an inner way of life. As an inner map, they encumber themselves with the responsibility and obligation of a priesthood, not confined to a particular time or place, but for all of life. From this perspective, the whole world is a holy temple, and one that has to be constantly purified and sanctified anew. The priests who come together in the precincts of this holiness constitute the heartbeat of the world, the rhythm of mankind's breathing. The obligation is therefore greater and the responsibility heavier, precisely because of the feeling that this nation of priests is in its decline and disintegration. In the fall of its individuals, it is not only destroying itself, but in some unseen way, it is impairing the way of the world as a whole, and that in its restoration and growth, it leads the world to its heart and its spiritual source, the Shekhinah. And when the people functions as one wave, as one beat, then this habitual stylization perfects the pattern of the world and the choreographic design of the Torah can be realized in living actuality. Thank you.